Hi everyone, welcome to This Week in Lies, the show where we try to reverse party political spin, expose bad journalism, and hopefully have a laugh, because if we didn't, we'd cry. Joining me this week are my usual co-hosts, Adam. Hello. And David. Hello. Yep, so uh, this is uh, episode two in series two of our podcasts, uh, and this week, uh, on the whole of the News of the World scandal, we've also managed to hack some voicemails of various prominent people and organisations, uh, and we'll be airing these uh, messages throughout the show, so uh, keep listening. Welcome to Hackerpalooza 2011, sponsored by This Week in Lies and Kleenex, cleaning up all that rubbish you didn't want on your podcast. So we had the select committee this week, which had star witnesses such as James and Rupert Murdoch. Rupert talked about the news of the world being uh, pretty small and insignificant so much so that it was uh, not enough for him to talk about. And he seemed old, senile and forgetful, seemed to not hear what people were saying, took a long time to answer any questions and just genuinely appeared to not know anything about uh, what was going on in his company. Yeah, considering how uh, senile he appeared, uh, the Beast Guy B thing is possibly the best thing that could have happened to him just in a basic humanity kind of thing, really. Um if he'd have been given overall charge of that, surely it would have melted his clearly addled old brain that couldn't remember things that just happened last week. <laughs> the thing is, if you were just watching it, it just looked like Tweedle D and Tweedle. I don't know anything. Why am I not in the nursing home? <laughs> <laughs> just looked like he didn't actually have a clue of what was actually going on. And he, well, I thought it was quite funny when he got attacked by the shaving foam which it's a well-known fact that Rupert Murdoch and Shaving Foam is like Superman and Kryptonite. (laughs) Although uh, the guy who did that is actually a stand-up comedian, and to be honest, if that is your best joke, unless you've been tutored by the Chuckle Brothers, that is, your career is not going very far at all. The thing is, when it originally came out, they thought it was actually a uh, cream pie, and people were saying that the uh, Clown Prosecution Service would have to investigate. Way. Yeah. That is, frankly, the worst thing I've ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) I am so sorry, everyone. Genuinely sorry. As a treat for you in this section, we uh, have hacked into Rupert Murdoch's voicemail. And uh, he was left a lot of very interesting messages from uh, such luminaries as Tony Blair. So have a listen to those. Rupert here. Leave a message, and I'll tell you what to think in tomorrow's edition of the News of the World. Beep! Hi, Rupert. We spoke to the constitutional lawyers, and unfortunately, we can't make you king. Can Tony still have your support? Thanks, Doug. Beep! I know you'll be upset at this, Rupert. Here's John Prescott's password for his voicemail. Hope this helps. Thanks, Doug. One thing that might actually uh, interest Fish in the voicemails that I actually got hold of at the end, it was at the very back of all the messages that he'd been left, filtered through good five, ten minutes of all of this, was um, a a message from November 2006, which brought forward an allegation that you made a few weeks ago about what may have happened in that Ashes series down under. I'd be very interested to hear this. Let's, let's Let's just play this. Hi Rupert, it's uh, Rob Key here. 
As uh, England dropped me all those years ago after scoring 226, I want to get back at them. So uh, here's the bowling plans for England for the Ashes coming up. Pass them on. I knew it was Murdoch. I knew it. I told you last week I can predict the future. Rob Key, you traitor. <laughs> <laughs> I actually said as well, didn't I? It just keeps getting bigger. Mark our words. This week in lies, we've got it sorted. We we pretty much... We can predict the future. Fish, I think we should uh, open up some form of business. I always wondered what happened to Mystic Meg. <laughs> she grew her hair. <laughs> and became David Fisher. She's not dead, but she's definitely been reincarnated into me. <laughs> um, also in the committee was Rupert's son, James Murdoch, who has been accused of lying to the committee by former Clean News of the World editor Colin Myler and Tom Crone, lawyer for News International. Uh, James has claimed to have not seen an email entitled For Neville, before paying off the head of the Professional Footballers Association, Gordon Taylor, out of court for the sum of £700,000. Graham Taylor sued after Mulclair and Goodman were sentenced and it was revealed he was hacked. The £7,000 effectively kept him quiet in a confidentiality agreement and stopped evidence from being revealed in court, such as the aforementioned for Neville email, which pretty much exploded the myth that the news of the world thought it was only one rogue reporter. It had a list of 35 um, transcriptions from voicemail messages to the former chief reporter, Neville Thulbeck. And basically, yes, this does implicate James Murdoch in quite a major way, in a way he didn't really seem to remember in the committee, which is... Fairly incredible. No, I'm, I'm sorry, right? I think we're going to town on James Murdoch, and it's not fair because I often wake up in the morning and I have completely forgot that I paid seven hundred thousand pounds to somebody. It is a small, it, yeah. It's it's just a small sum of money for a Murdoch. It's just pocket change, well, as he summed up in the uh, committee. He is notoriously free with his money, as I mentioned last week. The Murdochs are well known as for their just charitable donations. And sorry, just I'm sure he's just really, really sorry. I do feel sorry for James, though, because if he is 15 years younger, although with his dad's age, that would be pretty much physically impossible, but still. Um, he'd have had a career as uh, uh, starring as Harry Potter because he does look remarkably like them. And uh, judging by his performance in the select committee, he'd be better than Daniel Ratcliffe. Oh, That's amazing. Take that, James Murdoch. I am calling you out. And Daniel Radcliffe for being a really bad actor. We're calling you out as well. <laughs> Outside Adam's house. Now. Little Sutton. Don't tell Cheshire. them where I live. <laughs> I'll have crazy supporters coming up, knocking on, you know, knocking on my door very late at night, trying to sleep with me. It'd be an awful thing. Yeah, the price of fame. <laughs> uh, another person in News Corp who appears to have amnesia is uh, Rebecca Brooks. Apart from looking like the devil... She's uh, angelically denying that she knew anything about what our own newsroom were writing about while she was the editor and the executive of News of the World and News International. Now, I think what we really need to ask ourselves is either News International and News Corp is full of people who are not fit and proper directors or can actually do their job, or they're just full of liars. 
I'll let you decide which one you think that is. I've pretty much made my own mind up, though. Maybe there's some form of just horrendous gas leak around that building that just makes people pass out and just forget everything from that day. Maybe there's, like, nitrous oxide leaks. Anything. I mean, some form of, like, black hole in the universe just sucks up memories. It's what happens when you read the sun. You just immediately lose all intelligence. (laughs) Ah, the well-known sun disease. Well, yeah, it should be well-known, to be honest. But to be honest, for I, for one, believe Rebecca Books because it was quite a sterling performance. She gave Ava's all what we wanted to see. She had an innocent expression sort of massively put across her face for the entire time. And you do feel if you had a conversation with her um, about why she set fire to your house, it would end with you just going, Rebecca, oh, you, you can go. I believe you now. Hang on a second, get back here. (laughs) (laughs) Also further embroiled into the plot is uh, David Cameron and Andy Coulson, that gruesome twosome, as you could call them. Um, Cameron has sort of been dragged into this whole palaver even more. Um, It's been revealed that the former deputy editor of the News of the World, David Wallace, who is now in... Uh, been arrested and probably going to go to prison if we're honest um he gave informal advice to david cameron through andy colton and also his former chief of staff ed llewellyn asked the police not to mention hacking in a downing street briefing four Mm. months before colton was fired Mm. i'm not sure what you think about that totally totally not an indictment of guilt again (laughs) just don't mention this nothing going on but Best keep it quiet. Well, Cameron's also came out saying that he wouldn't have hired him. But really, the question we should all be asking and who we should be looking at is ourselves. Because the country shouldn't have hired him as Prime Minister. We should all go into our bathrooms, look at ourselves quite hard in the mirror and slap ourselves. <laughs> what, why did we do that? Why did we vote for him? Uh, Maybe can I... he needs to answer some serious questions. Can I interject? You can. There's a. Uh, I, I didn't vote for him. Yeah. Who, did, who did you vote for, Adam? Um, no comment. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> Is it called the. What's that, that party? That third party? The Lib Dems, that was it. Yeah, I may be guilty on that part as well. You're effectively Tories, both of you. Uh, uh. <laughs> Go and wash yourself with bleach. <laughs> This is horrible. I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely crying. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good job I've got tissues here. Sponsored by Kleenex. We're not officially sponsored by Kleenex, though, are we? <laughs> stop making up. Stop giving them free airtime. They've not paid for that airtime. <laughs> uh, Cameron has also revealed this week that, in hindsight, he would not have hired, hired Andy Coulson. Which, you know, is a bit worrying for a prime minister. He'll apologise after, you know, ignoring lots of obvious evidence. I mean, foresight is also a word you could possibly throw in there, as in he should have had some. You you could have really seen him giving a statement in the future saying, well, yes, it seems the Faroe Islands were not nuclear capable and starting a catastrophic global war does, in hindsight, Seem to have been a mistake. I can only apologise for the death of 90% of humanity. <laughs> yeah, but we've got to remember that the Tories do have a preemptive 
policy. Look at Ken Clark when it came to uh, self-defense. You can kill people on the street if they look like they could hurt you one day. So really, Cameron's done a U-turn, another one. That's verbatim, isn't it, from Ken Clark? <laughs> that is something he would say. I feel that Ken Clark's press conference when he was talking about this, of he said what the party wanted to say, but his eyes said something different to me. <laughs> Thank you for that reference, Adam. <laughs> so, uh, Louise Mench, who's an MP who's on the select committee, uh, accused Piers Morgan of uh, boasting in his autobiography that he like used the phone hacking trick where you ring someone up and put the four-digit code in, that he'd use that to uh, get a scoop on people, you know, high-flying celebrities such as Sven Goran Eriksson, uh, which won himself and um, the news, uh, the Mirror, it was, uh, a, a prize. Um, but Morgan then read out from the extract in question, live on CNN, and it said nothing of the sort, and uh, Louise Mensch basically had to put a foot in the mouth and refused to explain anything, quoting that she uh, didn't have to explain because of parliamentary privilege. Mm. She, she is called Mensch, which is quite ironic considering that means honourable person. Yeah, may want to rethink that. <laughs> may want to rethink her last name. Yeah, she should change her name to Liar. Yeah. <laughs> Sticking it to the man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Louise Liar, that'll get it across. Hang on a second, I've just been flicking through my what will happen when the rapture comes, and it it's the final chapter it oh oh no it says in the final chapter when Piers Morgan is seen as the person in the right the rapture will happen we're all gonna die so it is one of the harbingers of the apocalypse that Piers Morgan turns out to be correct in an argument that man we mentioned a few uh podcasts ago really was just a few months too late to be honest or too early should I say Daily fail. It was a good soldier. It took down many ridiculous statements by the Daily Mail. Heck, it saved our life a few times. The Daily Fail was not just a soldier of this podcast. It was a friend. But like all soldiers' parents, loved ones, and friends know, that telephone call could come at any time. Today, we got that call. But before it left us, it left us with its dying words. And I'll tell you them soon. But the Daily Fail will never forget you. We'll never forget you. <laughs> now let's read out its actual statement. Now, going on the just utter, utter rubbish that the Daily Mail has given us in the last nine episodes, we can say that if this is the one that the Daily Fair wanted to go out on, you know it's a big one. You know that it's got to beat the Nazi banker. <laughs> you, you know that it's got to make no sense at all and be based in such utter fiction of knowledge and logic that made, made it deservant of going into a Daily Mail article. Now, today's Daily Fail is wrote by Amanda Craig, a woman who looks a little bit like a cheap Margaret Thatcher if she'd been put through a blender, and that is in no way a bad thing. 
<laughs> it may actually be a good thing. Now, this woman is an ex-pupil of a private school called Beadles, which advertises itself as a liberal and progressive school. But this is where the evil and dark things come out. Revelations that pupils engage in underage sex. <gasps> shoplifting. <gasps> and some have even been known to be expelled. Shame. Shame. In this a private school with people who go to a school called pupils doing things that other pupils do. But for the privilege to go to this school, it costs you £30,000 a year. Now, this school takes in the rich, and as we are playing the Daily Mail game, we have to stick to their logic and their words. So it takes in the rich, and you think... It's, it's going to finish there, but, but no. And give scholarships to people of unwealthy background <laughs> and common blood. <laughs> they didn't say uncommon blood, did they? Yes, they oh did. <laughs> now, this school is very unlike its conservative, traditional sister school of Hogwarts. It lets in, you know, non-magic folk, because this is genuinely what she's making it sound like with common blood. It, it's just stupid, but... Apparently, the reason why this school is evil and unlike every other school in the country is because the sexes were mixed in classrooms and the art and music societies and uh, departments were encouraged. But, and this is another quote, sounded ideal to the two idealistic liberals working for the United Nations abroad. What? Yes. Apparently... A school is bad if its pupils in their private life have underage sex, steal, or, you know, when they are in school, get expelled. It's like, wait a minute, it doesn't happen in other schools. No, in a conservative school, they just have, they'd be brought up with the right morals on. <sighs> so the only way we can look at this and think, what is wrong with this school is because of the word liberal. The word, the word. It's been well known to corrupt human beings. But because the Daily Fail knew it was going, it wanted to leave us with one little speck of to look for the future. And this section is called Debate. Now, to get some of the stupid things that I want off of the Daily Fail using the Daily Mail game, I do kind of try to comment on people's articles to get them to comment back so i can see how crazy they are this is kind of like online bear baiting a little bit yes <laughs> but should be legal should be on tv and i would definitely pay to watch it <laughs> now the daily mail has a big massive section called debate in capital letters in white and in bold okay so you're thinking this will mean a lot of different opinions will be given and, you know, you can look at someone's opinion and disagree with it and, you know, just, just general debate as you would think of the word debate. But that's not how the Daily Mail game works. When they say debate, that means you'll listen to what we think and then if you comment on it and don't agree with us, we'll delete your comment. <laughs> and if you then comment again and say something that we don't like because 
you're not a Daily Mail reader or have been educated, you can cross them out either way, to be honest. They then delete your comment again, and then they ban you, and then you <laughs> can't comment anymore. <laughs> Which is quite upsetting. I'm not sure you really know what debate means. I mean, when I think of it, I think of more sort of one-sided questions like, debate how great the EU is or isn't, should I say. Debate how we should have our empire back. <laughs> debate how black people are worse than white people. <laughs> <laughs> now, the Daily Mail left us this pearl as its legacy in the podcast and... I know, I know it's gone, and it had no family. We were its only family, but if you're up there, Daily Fail, looking down on us, thank you. Just thank you. <laughs> Although, don't worry, everyone. There will be little specks of Daily Mail throughout my bad reporting in the future. So it's sort of like your methadone. You won't be completely, you know, go cold, cold turkey on the mail. So the Daily Mail is uh, no longer with us. It's been sadly laid to rest. But as Dave said, we'll uh, we'll probably try and feature a bit more. But uh, we've got another treat for you here, another hacked voicemail. So let's have a listen. Beep. This is NATO. Leave a message or death threat after the beep. Beep. You Western pigs, I don't pick up to you. Your death is overdue. I'm going to bomb your town, going to make you frown. You'll feel my pain when I hit you like a train. I've got bombs to hit your mums. I've got guns to kill your nuns. I've got rockets to destroy your lockets. Safe. I can't think of anything else. Tell them death to the West. Death to the West! Beep! So, that was another voicemail. And, uh, well, we're slightly scared now. We think Gaddafi truly has lost his marbles but uh we'll move on with the uh, a new story which is uh, about the 2012 olympics and it's that uh, mcdonald's have announced that they want to build a 3,000 square meter store in uh, stratford to take advantage of the um, the olympics and the fact that they're the exclusive food sponsor kind of the irony in the fact is that they sell some of the worst food in the world and the athletes would never eat it apart from usain bolt who said the only reason he ate chicken nuggets is because he knew that was the only safe-ish food around um, but they plan to sell 1.75 million meals during the Olympic Games in London. Uh, and as the spokesman tried to address the irony of the uh, the fact, he says there's not a discrepancy between uh, the plan that McDonald's has and the ideals of the Games. So, yeah, work that one out for yourself. Well, it's well known that the modern-day Olympic movement is based on the idea of fat people watching fit people do sport whilst they get fatter. That's what it was all based on all those years ago. That's the Olympic dream. Probably the American dream as well. <laughs> it's interchangeable. <laughs> you just thought McDonald's is like an extremely high calorie food would be quite attractive for like, you know, long distance runners and so on until they get halfway around the track and start going, oh, I think this was a mistake. <laughs> yeah, that, that extra large milkshake was not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> he spewed all over the long jump. Yeah. No. <laughs> It would be like Paula Radcliffe, but ten times worse. (laughs) 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 May also uh, bring down the standard of the cheering, sort of just a lot of bloated people in the crowd going, come on, Inga. (laughs) Yeah. I suppose it's a new way to have uh, Vuvuzelas just out your backside instead of out the horn. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. 
But McDonald's are going to be positively influencing the games. Don't worry, everyone. It's not going to be rubbish. Well, it is, but don't worry. Um, instead of medals, this Olympics, they're going to be changing them for vouchers for McDonald's. <laughs> if you get a gold medal, you now win a free Big Mac and Coke. Silver medal gets you a chicken nugget meal. And bronze, that gets you a happy meal, but you don't get the toy in a kind of a lesson of you should have tried harder. Uh, it's, for me, it's like the biggest irony in the world. It's kind of like Mars sponsoring football. It's like any sort of just complete opposites, opposite end of the scale. McDonald's responsible for, well, not solely responsible for the fast food industry, responsible for like childhood obesity in America, which we've all seen in a lot of things. And then they're like the main food sponsor of the Olympics. It's like, uh... It'd be like Stellar Artois sponsoring a battered wives home. <laughs> I'm sure this is libelous somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) I think we better move on. (laughs) (laughs) Adam, you're going to get a suit, mate. (laughs) It was funny, though. (laughs) So, moving on so that we don't get sued, here's another voicemail. But that actually may get us sued as well. Well, I illegally got them, but technically I legally got them because I played a policeman legally. Legally. It's all right. The Coulson defence at his best. (laughs) In more absurd foodstuff-related news, Russia brought in a bill that classifies beer as alcohol. And yes, you did hear that correctly. Well done, Russia. (laughs) (laughs) President Medvedev... Um, has brought in the bill which classifies anything under 10% alcohol um, as alcoholic, shockingly enough, not a foodstuff as it previously was. (laughs) Seems fairly incredible. It means now that the government can control its sale. Apparently, Russian drinking is already twice the critical limit set by the World Health Organization and people (laughs) can be sick seen in parks and walking down the street swigging beer like it's a soft drink. (laughs) (laughs) They're proud of it. Well, there was a sign in Russia which had a stick man on the floor, which meant beware of drunks in the road. (laughs) (laughs) It really is only in Russia. (laughs) But Putin said to be outraged by uh, Medved's decision on this issue as he has not told him to make that decision and cannot understand how or why the president of Russia has done this. Why Why has he made a decision without first consulting Putin? It's a disgrace. Uh, he's going well above his station there as oh, president. He is. Putin the puppet master, as I like to call him. Oh, very satirical. Thank you. I'm not a post-joke. Catty. Getting catty. Wow. Divisions within the, this week in Lies crew. <laughs> You'll hear it. You'll hear it next week in uh, some expose. I'm going to expose all about Adam. I'm going to sell my story to the newspapers. Well, I won't be able to sell it to the news of the world anymore, but I'm sure the Daily Mirror or the Scum will buy it. <laughs> to be fair, though, with Russia, petrol is classed as a spirit. So, <laughs> seriously, please tell me that's true. <laughs> Sadly, it's not. Paul. Oh, that would be amazing. It's like fancy vodka. No. I I'll have S.O. and orange, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
work. Their amount of uh, alcohol consumption surely explains why Putin can, you know, change the constitution at will. I wonder if uh, all of Stalin's decisions were just sort of like a drunken caper got out of control. <laughs> Ended in a scuffle. <laughs> it was a drinking game gone bad. <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine Stalin just scuffling with his interior minister, <laughs> just over something so small, just like just just ends in a scuffle and they burst out of the front of the Kremlin. <laughs> no, I'll not shave my mustache. <laughs> I think it looks good. <laughs> Adolf has small one. Looks stupid. <laughs> uh, well, at the uh, at the expense of. Hopefully, hopefully not angering uh, Stalin's ghost. I think we should move on. America finally catching up with the rest of the liberal world and actually viewing gays as equal news. Now, America has finally got rid of this ridiculous rule, which was don't ask, don't tell, which essentially meant that you could not be openly gay in the army you know, dying for your country. But if you wanted to fly a pride flag, you have to get out because the Marines don't like that. That's just like his life. If you don't like it, you can get out. Well, this ridiculous rule, which was put in by Clinton merely just to get the uh, Pentagon to shut up about this issue, has finally been got rid of. As uh, 66% of people actually in the armed services said that it would not actually affect how they viewed their fellow um, soldiers and also would not hinder them in wartime operations. But then there's still that 33%, which you kind of forget about, which, well, are clearly the people who signed up from Texas. But how did this rule last so long? Like, how did it only take till today to be got rid of? It's a rather ridiculous thing that in America this lasted what, seven, eight, nine years? Fourteen years even. It's all to do with the church still got a grip hold, hasn't it, really? And I think that's as as non satirically as possible. It's just a spit harping back, really, isn't it? Something the Daily Mail likes to do here as well. Mm, to the good old days. Yeah. Back in my day. There is a fresh intelligence about why these thirty three percent of soldiers may hold their view. Apparently, homosexuals cannot tell one end of a gun from another. They have effective eyesight, and there are some crude suggestions about as to why that would be. <laughs> I'm not going to repeat on here. Uh, they unexpectedly shout in excitement at crucial moments and are incapable of engaging in homophobic banter, a, a cornerstone of troop morale and togetherness. <laughs> oh. They also stick out like a sore form because they obviously all wear pink camouflage. <laughs> it does stand out quite badly. Back reporting now. Yay! Woo! Yay! <laughs> That's my vomit noise, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Carry on, Gabe. <laughs> it is legendary in Lancaster University. Legendary. <laughs> Right. All three stories are sort of in the express this week. I do apologise. Just, it's so easy. Basically. The sources out, David. Come on. Yeah. The first story is a short story entitled Sir David Jason from Del Boy to Pizza Boy. And it starts, 
carrying nine pizzas and wearing a baseball cap, Sir David Jason looks more of a delivery boy than the star, star of the show. But actor Sir David Jason, 71, was undercover for his role in new BBC drama The Royal Bodyguard, also starring co- comic David Williams, 39. So basically, a man is doing his job. That That is what they have re- reported on. It's got quite an amusing picture of him in a cap and carrying pizzas in a quite fetching green and orange Mac. But apart from that, there is really no point to this story. And then the last line, because this is the length of the story, is no doubt the two Davids will play it for laughs. Well, no, because 12 words ago you said it was a new drama. So I really, (laughs) frankly doubt it. (laughs) This just in, actor acts in drama. More at 10. (laughs) (laughs) The uh, second story has the headline, Prince William and Kate turned down £200 BA flight compensation. Because apparently the in-flight entertainment was faulty on their flight back from Canada, I believe it was. But William and Kate politely declined. They may be polite, but I'm certainly not. I say it says that some films were still available. Some films, some films, they could have missed out on Kung Fu Panda 2 at this point and The Last Mimsy. Give them their own aircraft as compensation. How dare you? They're going to be running our country in a bit. Just, it beggars belief. The day, the day, that, the day that comes, the, uh, I, can't, I can't even vocalise how sad and depressed I am that our future king and queen by default didn't have the chance to see bad in-flight movies. <laughs> if Mr. Bean was on, then God help us all. God help us all. He's a national institution. The final story is about David Cameron guest editing The Big Issue. Um, in a week where cosy government media relationships have been questioned, Cameron has basically gone back to what he knows best with a basic PR opportunity. Um He was curiously persistent in asking not to be involved with the printing or handling of the product, but God can only only know why. And he also sent out a basic right-wing propaganda message, which reads as thus. It's a great magazine, and it's a great honour to be asked. The big issue has given homeless people a way of taking back control over their lives and is a fantastic example of how he can reduce dependence on state handouts. This is entirely in keeping with my political philosophy. (laughs) Now, I know Adam has some strong words on that issue. Now, the thing is, if, you know, there was, let's say, a bit more state handouts when it came to homeless people, i.e. actually helping them a bit more, i.e. actually helping people stay in their homes by, let's say, uh, not lending Ireland, seven billion and using that money to help people pay their mortgages or i know uh, maybe keeping an economy where people have jobs thus they won't become homeless you know that that's a decent state handout so these you know reducing the dependence on state handouts for homeless people what state handouts do they get they live on the street they don't get any benefits so they don't get any state handouts but he wants to reduce the amount of state handouts that people who don't get any state handouts get he wants them to pay tax on their cardboard boxes (sighs) 
it's a basic tenet of conservative philosophy. The thing is, this man is a multi-millionaire, and how much of just a slap in the face is it for, you know, anyone read... To be honest, I don't think anyone's going to read the big issue with Cameron guest editing it. They might use it as toilet paper for uh, the week. But how much of a slap in the face is it when a multi-millionaire is going, look at me, I tried, and I'm rich. Because that's essentially saying to them, you're a waster, go and die in a corner, and don't disturb us. <clears throat> We're the Conservatives. And we know what's best for the country, and you're poor for a reason. Yeah, he also says um, it's an opportunity for homeless people to, well, drag themselves up, basically. But I think if you went into a cafe and asked for a job, and they said, oh, what's your experience? And he went, oh, well, I was homeless for eight years, and then I sold the big issue. don't think you're going to get the job, to be honest. I'm not sure you can really climb the career ladder with that as your first job. Well, the problem there is that there wouldn't be a job in a cafe with the current cut so that doesn't matter anyway on a non-satirical point as well the whole point of the big issue is that the uh, the person actually has to buy the stock of magazines themselves and then it just completely relies on the goodwill of everyone around them say in the town centre to buy it so it's more of just like yeah if people are feeling charitable the homeless person may get a few pounds it's not like some sort of get rich scheme for a uh, that all homeless people should be doing to drag themselves out of poverty. It just really just shows how kind of out of touch uh, Cameron is. Yeah, well, that's what big society is for. We all give give to them, surely. The thing is, I can't look at the uh, comment section, but I'm expecting to see on the Express just a comment from some lunatic from, let's say, down south, just going, well, I saw a poor person with an iPhone once. They can't be that poor. Because all rich people think, oh, homeless people... They could be used as a slave. <laughs> it's natural thinking. It's been bred into them for years. Yeah, we're definitely getting sued. <laughs> and we'd win. <laughs> um, so, towards the end of the show now, we're going to fit in some of the more, uh, well, we'll say mundane voicemails that we hacked, ranging from NATO, the Queen, George Bush, General Gaddafi, and uh, a missing package from DLS to David Cameron. I'm not here right now. I'm arranging my Libyan freedom beefs to destroy Europe, to bomb the imperialists, and to glorify myself as Emperor of Europe. So, leave your pleas for mercy after the beep. <laughs> beep! My rockets will kill. My bombs will boom your buildings. You dead man, Gaddafi. You heard me, Gaddafi. I take no crap from you, son. See you in the Hague. Tony, have you seen my keys? Beep! Rupert, can you uh, pick up some milk, please? Beep! Where are my nooks? Beep! Rupert, upon your visit, please remember to come in the back door. Beep! Your forehead wax was delivered, but nobody was in. It has been left at number 11 for you to pick up. Thank you for using DLS. Are you still alive? Get back to us. NATO. Beep! Um, Tony, which hole is for the head and which one is meant to be for my arms? Beep! So the last story of the week's about the Mau Mau uprising and how they've uh, been given the right in court to claim compensation against uh, the British government 
for torture during the uprising. Basically, the Mau Mau um, were brutally suppressed by the British, and it was up to a thousand people executed um, and attacked with more than uh, a million Kenyans um, relocating from their homes and relocated often inside barbed wire compounds that were controlled by armed guards during the uprising. Uh, and basically, yeah, they've uh, they've won the right to sue for torture and bad treatment, maltreatment, negligence and things like that. Now, the thing I don't understand is they've won the right to get money off of us for torture. So we should counter sue. We want the money for all that time. But they, you know, they didn't pay any rent, didn't pay any bed and board when they were living in the country we owned. Yeah, no education as well. I mean, it's quite shocking. But I mean, the cost of manners is really, well, what would you say? Priceless, probably. But I think a few million will do. Yeah, we'll say that. So we'll give them two million, they give us three million and we'll call it all off. Sounds yeah. about right. Those um barbed wire compounds with armed guards, it does sound quite like prison, to be honest. You know what it sounds like to me? What? Butlins. <laughs> no, the thing is, this is essentially it's a move up for them. We've taken them out of the housing estate and we put them in a secure neighbourhood. People pay millions in America to live in a gated community. We did it for free. Those ungrateful bastards. <laughs> <laughs> I think Britain will probably go bankrupt if we start getting sued by all our former colonies. I mean, India have got a legitimate claim for the upkeep of gigantic topiary. <laughs> I know uh, China have got a legitimate claim to uh, all that opium we stole in a sort of a drug raid reminiscent of Omar from The Wire. (laughs) (laughs) If they sue us, though, surely they should have to pay us for the culture, history and sport that we gave them. Because if we didn't give, you know, Australia cricket, then it would just be a bit of land with some people that live there. What would they be good at? Drinking. Abusing Aboriginal people. (laughs) We taught them how to do that well as well. <laughs> We're like a paternal kind of figure. We're just looking after the world by showing them how to be horrible to everyone else by being horrible to them. So, at the end of the show, I'm going to end with our predictions. Uh, last week, Dave, I think you predicted that the East African food crisis would be forgotten um, in wake of the news of the world. And I think you're probably spot on on that one. Yeah, the UN said that as well. Yeah, so congratulations. (laughs) Uh, Adam said that Rupert Murdoch would find out that it was him who'd been hacking his phone. Adam, did that happen? Yeah, because I've got all his voicemails. I feel the show vindicates my prediction. Yeah, but there was actually no evidence in his voicemail that he'd done it, so... Yeah, well, I did, and he knows... Right, and uh, my prediction was it would be horribly stung by Gaddafi's bee-like rockets, and uh, that's not happened, so I'm the only one to fail this week, and I've failed you all, and I'm deeply sorry. Please just consider if you should actually be on next week, mate. Yeah, I, I might pack it in. So, uh, Take the way out. Yeah. Um, so let's do predictions for this week, then. Uh, Dave, do you want to go first again? Um, I think... David's Cameron's forehead will finally just melt under the pressure that he will feel next week. I'm going to once again go with another serious one that Rupert Murdoch will take off his mask and he will actually be Scooby Doo. <laughs> <laughs> Why would he be Scooby Doo? Surely he'd be the. 
I've got sources in high places. They know things. That's all I'm saying. I think my prediction will be uh, one that I'm fairly sure will be correct, which is that Piers Morgan will remind us all why we absolutely despise him. No. It's an not easy a- one. It's, it's, it's what I call a safe bet. You know, I'm not hedging my bets at all. It's just uh, it's easy. Like betting on Bolton to lose. Ah, you're a great man. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so it's the end of the show. Uh, thanks very much for listening. This has been This Week in Lies, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Shivers later.